What's up, Nubians? Welcome to Tech Nubians, part of the Geekish Network. This is your weekly deep dive into video games steeped in the blackest of blacks. For those of you who don't know, we are live streaming podcast hosted by Black Technology Professionals, where we discuss the what, when, and how you can get into this world of technology, specifically video games. I'm your host, Cherie, and with us today, we have our man with a million plans, Chuck. What's up, everyone? Our producer, Sleuther, and deducer, Shanae. Hey, folks. And we got this other guy who keeps tagging along. I don't really know what he does. I think he's like a 400-year-old vampire. I think he's a former stormtrooper, is what I heard. <laughs> he is a former stormtrooper. <laughs> the original black stormtrooper. Oh! Travis. He's Finn's grandpa. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> uh, we are here every week. Why? You know why. We're here to inspire, sustain, and nurture successful creative technologists in the pursuit of black excellence and content development. Y'all know we like to kick this thing off with the news. We do a long topic. This week, we are talking about the gaming bandwagon. What's getting ready to happen with gaming right now? Let's talk a little bit about this. I think there's going to be like some good conversation around where are we going as an industry. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, before we get into it, we are going to do our gaming and tech news segment, Tech Newsians. All right. So... Right here to kick things off, Chuck, you've got an article for us. Tell us a little bit about Yeah, I, I actually got two two articles from Microsoft. The first one kind of feeds into the second one. Microsoft and Sega are teaming up for the next-gen cloud gaming uh, platform. It's really interesting. So they made this strategic alliance. And if anybody knows Sega, Sega used to make really dope consoles until they over-designed a the console they couldn't sell in every household four times. And so they were always worked. They end up working with Nintendo a lot. But now they're partnering up with Microsoft to bring their properties to cloud gaming. And so that may be where gaming goes next. You know, the bandwagon is, can we play extreme games straight out of the cloud? And Sega making this alliance with Microsoft may make that come to true quicker than we thought. Um, it's called the Super Gang Initiative super game initiative for developing new and innovative titles where they focus on global and online communities and IP utilization. So this is going to be really interesting to see what Sega does, which feeds into the second article. Microsoft overtakes Apple to become the world's most valuable company. Wow. And that's saying a lot. So Microsoft doesn't have the hardware swagger as Apple does, but they're still became the world's most valuable company just because probably mostly their their clouding performance and the software they offered via the cloud and then the high quality they give it to you as so yeah. this cloud gaming online you know cloud gaming and going strictly online for all your products may be how microsoft wins they already set us up with uh, the gaming pass ultimate gaming pass where you can just download games and just play them on any device so this, Little do this, we know, Microsoft just had so much. That's the reason they just had so much money. They're like, here, have games for free for this gaming app. <laughs> First of all, what do you mean? Little do we know, Microsoft well, is loaded. Okay. Well, no, loaded. loaded. They're loaded. But like, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> like we're in an information age, right? Uh -huh. And um, it can be. It can. <laughs> I don't know how it can be decently argued that Microsoft has been in the driver's seat for the majority of this, right? They have, they have. So it's not shocking, first of yeah. all, at all. Um, I'm, I'm actually shocked that it wasn't so already. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all, all, all Microsoft was doing was saying, you know, look, look, Apple, hold my beer. Yeah. Right. So there's that. Okay. 
Number two, let's talk about my favorite Japanese company. Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How did you get wrong, Travis? You're always talking about Nintendo. I thought it was, I thought Mario Mario were buds. No. No. (laughs) And I say this to anyone who will listen. I will bet on Sega all the time. But I'll tell you why. In 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 my career, I have seen Sega like always innovate. And their mm-hmm. problem has not been innovation. Their problem has always been timing. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I first started in the in in uh in, in gaming, they said, Hey, let's make an attachment onto your Sega that actually uh, gives you more memory, right? The 32X, right? No one was having it. You know, you said it, it, they said it couldn't be done. Then they did HeatNet, which was Sega, uh, which is SegaNet, which online gaming, okay? Then they did the Activator. The Activator was actually full motion, sort of, you know, body controls of, 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 of mm-hmm. things. They did the Sega CD. Right. Yep. They, 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 they went and right. did, you know, in, in, in Dreamcast, they had, um, you know, uh, your uh, little EPROMs that you can put inside your uh, your your uh, controller. Sega has been on fire. Right. The entire time. And I, mean, I can I can say also it is on been fire like probably, melting down like yeah the Xbox machine was the Dreamcast redone. Yeah. It was yeah. a reversioning of the Dreamcast. Yeah, and, 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 so, and it was so, missing the VMU. Everybody's like, "Where's the VMU?" Yep. The VMU yep. was amazing. They made active 3D glasses for the 8-bit era. 8-bit era active 3D. We didn't get active 3D until we had flat screen TVs again. I, I, I so Sega like, had us they there. Are, like they were like they were like just time travelers, but they're just out of sync. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know? It they're, was almost like a timeline. Like they they're, are like, the, stuff and they're like, I think I'm putting this out in the right timeline, but they're actually in the wrong timeline. And they're just a little yeah. bit out of sync. They, they keep messing up. They're varying in timeline. They're on fire. They're probably like the world's greatest company. They make Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> they buy Google and buy they Apple. Start, I was, I was thinking the same ahead thing. Of their time. What wasn't ahead of their time was their marketing department. Though. <laughs> I just have to say. Say what now? I said what was not ahead of their time was their marketing department. What, say <laughs> Yes. What are you talking about? Nintendo like, don't. Nintendo. I know. Sega does what Nintendo. I'm just saying. We all have a memory of. I just recently went back and looked at some old like '90s Sega commercials. They yeah. do not age well. That's all I will say. <laughs> Go back and avail. Well, I- take ten minutes. Go back and avail yourself of them, and you're like, wait a second. Maybe they were ahead of their time, but their marketing department did not. All right, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try Any this. company okay, that makes me, Alter me, Beast right. and Golden Axe can do no hold, wrong. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> say, say, say Nintendo. Say it. What? Nintendo, Nintendo. say it. Say it. It. No, <laughs> say Nintendo. It. Say, it. say the word Nintendo. Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, but when you say Sega, how do you say it? Sega. Sega. Or Is, I'm talking I mean, about marketing. very much like the that's, fact that's some will, of it. Yes, very much like the that's fact that I will never forget the stupid JG Wentworth commercials. They they, they do have something that sticks with your mind. But have you ever called JG Wentworth's phone number? <laughs> 
I'm not saying I needed it. I never needed JJ Wentworth. <laughs> but if I ever needed JJ Wentworth, and I defy you in in all of the 80s and 90s to find a better controller than that Sega Six button or that Sweet Nights controller. I defy <laughs> you. <laughs> man, they had to try you. It was like butter. Fire. It was. It was. Sega was crushing about, man? it. The 64 controller is the pinnacle. Don't you like having a controller you need three hands to use? And like one third of that controller, you basically never ever have your hands in that configuration? I'm telling you, man. It just looks like. If you like want to talk controllers, <laughs> what the hell was the NES's controller all about? Oh, it was. Okay. It was, it was like NES a little controller? brick. I don't oh. even. Yeah, NES. I mean, sure. Yeah, NES, like. I mean, there's nostalgia. Master System had a dope controller. The Master System gave you an analog stick. You screw it in the top, and they gave you like a little analog stick. (laughs) All I'm saying, yeah. All I'm saying is is that whoever was running Sega (laughs) was probably like Reese from Terminator. You know, came back from the future and and you know (laughs) and forgot to ask people what year, what year. Coming up with stuff that was ten years too early. But there is absolutely, I mean, I think it is, uh, I know we need to move to the next story in a second too, but there's really some really interesting stuff here that we can talk about too, because there is a space to understand, like, I know we often say like stuff is ahead of its time and that like, yeah, we go back and look and say, yeah, that was really ahead of its time. But there's something to be said for being able to match your product to what consumers want now. Because then your prognostication ain't worth nothing if you're always ahead of your time. Yes, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Play your stupid yeah. natural. Yeah. Yeah, you get to like look back later. Yeah, you get to look back later, and you can kind of say, "I was right," but like you know, you're also looking at your bank account. Yeah, you're like, like, "Cool, we'll give you high fives for that." I mean, we won the argument, but But, but, like you lost the battle on the argument. Apple came out and said, we're $2 trillion rich. The Microsoft came out and said, we're $2.49 trillion. Boom. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Two so, point, by the way. And, and they're like, and the Indian guy was like, because I run the company. They ain't never made money like this. They ain't never made money like this. I came from the clouds and, and made this money. <laughs> so actually, speaking of Apple, let's talk a little bit about Apple because the mm-hmm. iPhone 13 just released. I don't know if anyone's gotten their iPhone 13 yet. No, I'm still stuck in, in 10 I'm, 12 land. I'm still rocking my eight right one. here. Okay. It's still kind of chucking, chugging along. Well, we've talked a lot about right to repair. <laughs> is that an iPhone 13 there, Travis? That is. No, it is. Stop playing. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> it look, you know what, Travis? Oh, yeah, well, this, Travis, this is actually relevant. It's just like my 12. This <laughs> <laughs> is actually but it's not. This takes a lot better pictures. Well, Travis, this, this is actually relevant to you then because. Um, you know, we talked a lot about right to repair, um, right? And we've talked about like how like the FTC has like adopted a right to repair platform and, you know, different elements of the government, like the Department of Commerce says we need fewer restrictions. President Biden has, Biden has signed um, executive orders around it. Um, and for folks who, you know, aren't familiar with right to repair, basically it means that it allows consumers to be able to take your devices and, and appliances to whoever you want to repair it, right? You don't have to like take it back to the original manufacturer or you don't have to worry about like authorized repairers or something like that, or dealers, you can take it to an unauthorized dealer who's probably cheaper. Well, there was a change in the iPhone 13 that threatens um, to be a huge hit on the iPhone phone repair, on the, so on the phone repair industry. It was first reported by iFixit, but apparently if you remove the screen for your iPhone 13, it disables the face ID functionality when the screen was replaced. 
Um, how is this accomplished? It's because there's a tiny, tiny tic-tac-sized microchip that's tucked into the bottom of the screen. And that chip basically serializes the screen and pairs it with your phone. Oh, wow. So if you change the screen, now suddenly Face ID does not work. And, um, you know, I fix it was going through and trying to figure out some workarounds for it. There, it, You can solve it, but it is a very complicated um, fix, which are, what, like involves like having like solder, like the, <laughs> the microchip and do all this other stuff. And so now like what was previously like a 10 to 15 minute fix now really forces is forcing users to have to go or, uh, you know, consumers to have to either go to like an authorized repair store or to back to Apple. And the, you know, I say this is a huge hit because some of these, you know, phone repairs have said that screen repairs account for up to 60% of their revenue. Um, so this is very clearly a change intended to dissuade third-party repairs, particularly because um, according to the, the teardown that iFixit did, the chip, it's not actually important to the face ID. It's totally separate from the actual functionality. Just a tamper-proof. Um, it's just tamper-proof. So um, I just want to see what folks think about that because that's, you know, it really seems like it's going in the opposite direction of the whole right to repair. Travis, you can let us know. Have your screen ever broken? Don't don't drop your phones, y'all. <laughs> first of all, first of all, I just got my phone, so um, hold on to it both hands tightly. I hold it close to your heart. It's. I think it's you know Apple's behavior is not unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what I mean is is that um, it's it's amazing sometimes how absolute power corrupts absolutely absolutely right yeah um and it is galling for apple to become the same company that they raged against um you know in in 1984 wait is this yep. the where you say uh you live long enough to become the the villain, yeah, the, the, villain? <laughs> the they villain, did live yeah. long enough to become the villain and um, and i and I, I have two thoughts about this um, here's my, here's my first sort of selfish one. Um, don't buy a Mercedes if you can't afford to fix it. Okay. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not wise. Mm -hmm. Um, however, um, you should be able to fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I really do. I have a problem with this. It's, 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 it's because Apple seems to want to make money from its users Yep. in every conceivable way and, yep. and, and 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 the the hypocrisy at least from from my uh from my standpoint is is that they don't want other companies to profit in the same way um and actively are starting to you know get in the way of other people you know sort of profiting on their ecosphere as well and and i don't i don't see how they expect to win with that sort of attitude yeah, I think it's, what I think is really interesting about even with the analogy you said, right? Like the 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 don't like don't buy a Mercedes if you can't afford to fix it. But you can take your Mercedes to whoever you want to. Right? You could take it to like friend Jim down the street. He could probably fix it. You might not want him to. You might regret it afterwards. But he could fix it. Like Mercedes doesn't stop you from doing it. But you know, you go to a different class of care if you go to the experts. The other part that I'm wondering about, too, is like, you know, this thing, uh, this iPhone has been around for a while now, right? Like, I think I got my first iPhone in 2008 or something. And when it came out in 2008, it felt like it was a luxury device. But is it is a, is a smartphone a luxury device anymore? Or is no. it like a thing that we just like everybody, right? Yeah. Like everyone might not use an iPhone, but 
like I feel like everyone sort of or like we've definitely leaned towards everyone needs uh, a smartphone or needs internet access or needs like you know those things are like there's big there's big conversations about whether um, internet access should be considered a, a human right and I think it has been in, in, in at least several places in Europe and stuff as well so um, I don't know like it's 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 really it's a it's a complicated conversation but in general I am very much as a former tinkerer before I got into the Apple ecosystem <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Apple <laughs> ecosystem took the that. tinkering out of me <laughs> oh yeah it'll oh, show yeah. you oh yeah well no it's really bad as a former tinkerer like I am 100% in favor of letting people be able to tinker with their devices and let people be able to learn stuff and go like make that decision of who they want to fix their things like based off of what their salary is because this thing I don't think is a I don't think it's a luxury device anymore. I think it is a I think there are luxury versions of it. Right. Uh, but I don't think it qualifies just across the board as a luxury device. Go ahead, Chuck. Sorry. What, what uh, was so interesting about Apple was I remember an era when PowerBooks, you could take apart the whole entire PowerBook and put new parts in the new RAM. You can put a new motherboard and you can just slide that stuff in. People would bring their their Mac, their PowerBooks into Apple. We'd be back of house. Be like, I need more RAM. Like, oh, whatever. Here it is. You need 16 extra gigs. OK, you have to buy this chipset. Bring it up. I have it to you in 15 minutes. Nice. I take it back, just pop it up in the back and screw it. Actually tap, boom, move everything. You need a new hard drive, pull out the hard drive, put a new hard drive and copy it over. It was so easy. It was yeah. it's interesting. And then they had John Ivy come in and he was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna thin the I'm gonna thin this computer down where you everything is glued together onto the screen. <laughs> and yeah. it ruined it. So the greatest, yeah. greatest thing about the new MacBook Pros is they're thick again. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that means I could probably pop it open and play with it. Mm. You know, oh, they yeah. have open. So hopefully, I don't know yet. I haven't, yeah. done, I haven't, I haven't watched a teardown <laughs> video yet. I was I'm like, nah. Yeah. Watch nah, a video. Nah. Don't, don't void your warranty. But the fact <laughs> I have a new MacBook Pro. Yeah. No, you can't. And can you do it? Oh, they used to have compartments on the back side, and you just pop open the drawer, and everything yeah. you need was right there. Mm. Them so days weird. is over. It's but, so weird they don't allow us to do it. And the fact that it's not weird. It's expected. It's, uh, yeah, you know? it's like like they're like they're like William Defoe and was it Motherless Brooklyn? If there's a dime bag being sold in Central Park, I get a cut of that. <laughs> <laughs> and they were yeah, like, if this screen breaks, you bring it to us. We yeah, get a you cut know, of that. We were we were wondering how Apple. Big. We were wondering how Apple's going to like make up that that revenue loss from yeah. that epic lawsuit. Here it is. Yeah, here it is. Here well, the funny is. well the funny part about the funny part about Apple and these, especially the MacBook Pros now is that it's not like innovative uh, what they're doing. A lot of times they're just fixing a whole bunch of mistakes in, you know, the, they, you know, they, they said, oh, they, they got rid back of the power bar. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. look, there's an HDMI port in there, you know, and an SD card slot. And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> seriously, it's sort of yeah, like when yeah. Apple said, look, we have folders. Yeah, yes, I, yes. I, and you're like, yeah, it was such come a come on, thing. dude. Really? Like, like oh, yeah. they walked it back. back. They walked like, back all of their <laughs> they walked back the whole last decade. They were, so I would, yeah, so you just wonder whether or not you're being it, you wonder whether or not you're being pimped. You know, yes, I, I, I yeah. gave them to walk back and give me touch ID with my iPhone 14, please. <laughs> Something. That's Please, gone. Don't put the microchip that's going to disable it if I change the screen or something. That must right. gone. We, go on, we got to go into our next article here. So, uh -huh. Travis, you have an article for us. Tell us what's going on. Well, uh, look, I, I, I just don't understand this. This whole news article on game industry. Uh, it says that League of Legends esport remains unprofitable. What? 
This week it was revealed that Riot Games League of Legends sports division hasn't turned a profit. Okay. What? Now, (laughs) you know what the problem is? It's a lot of partying they're paying for. I mean, they're paying a lot of partying. They're promoting parties out here and ain't making no money on the back end of You know, like, have you seen these productions? Yes. Yes. Like, how about have two less grandiose movies and then give everybody million dollar checks? I mean, it don't don't rent out the LA Live Center or MS or Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And pack it and pack it. With like sixty thousand people, hundred thousand. Yeah, I can people. I can understand that for your first couple years, whatever. It's been a decade, yo. I'm actually really surprised by that. Like that's like I just I mean it it has all the sort of like accoutrements of like looking like this is a a deeply professional organization and like I you look at the folks who are definitely really involved in the esports arena who as either players or spectators and you're like okay there's money there. Like there's a tension. They're they're pulling eyes. I'm advertisers. I'm actually really surprised. Let, 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 you let see that meme, believe. that bruh meme. You know the bruh, yeah. oh. <laughs> right? That's how I felt when I saw this. Right? I well, was like, wait a minute, ain't nobody making money. Well, most nobody professional sports teams would tell you they operate at a loss. Like FIFA says, they operate at a loss. Mm. FIFA operates at a loss. That's what they claim. You know, somebody loses money. It ain't <laughs> I was going to say, somebody's making money in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what they claim. Like, the world's largest sports operating at a loss. Yeah. I, I smell I, a con. I, yeah, I feel like there's something in there. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> like when I was at EA and, and we were making record profits, but we didn't quite hit our target, even though we were making record profits. So zero bonuses for everybody. I'm like, wait. <laughs> We made more than we made last year, but we didn't make as much as we wanted. So no bonuses. You think it's a function of the language we're using? Yeah. It's like, cause like we're using, like we're saying operating a loss, but it's like, but that doesn't mean that everybody's about to lose their jobs or that nobody's making any money. It's like, for the for the purposes of our taxes, operating at a loss means different. You know, Bobby Kotick used to get a hundred twenty million dollar bonus, and they're like, "Hey, we made a hundred and ten million dollar profit. We got to go at a loss. Well, cut Bobby a hundred twenty million dollar right? check." Mm. <laughs> So I then you know, ten million in the red. Then so what is what does this mean for esports then? Right, like if, I mean, uh, League of Legends I, esports is like is if not still the goat, one of the biggest, right? Yeah, it's still the goat. It's the biggest. I, deal. I think yeah, everybody going anywhere, but go ahead, try. I think everybody's making money. Okay, <laughs> I do, uh, and 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 I just think that you know maybe Riot just thinks it's an operating expense or something. I don't know. Okay. Like it, 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 it could be that, but you know, I'm amazed, well, but I did, well, I, but, but I do have, you know, some, some other sort of Riot news, which I'm excited about mm-hmm. is every time I, every time I play a Riot game or every time I see like, uh, you know, Riot do something like they come with the thunder they really do, right? I mean, I feel like Riot's like an evolved blizzard. They're like a blizzard that ships products, right? <laughs> um, and, hold on, hold on. We, we're gonna unpack that later. We're gonna unpack that later. Right here, we'll come back to but, that one. But, but that being said, like their Netflix uh, show, uh, Arcane, is, is debuting tonight mm. on Netflix. And I like my entire soul is here for it because if Riot does anything well, well okay, yeah, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that too, but you know, but you know, 
But what I'm saying is, it's like every time I see one of their presentations, I go, why don't y'all just make that show? Why don't you just go make that movie? And so Arcane seems to be that show. Right. And I'm, and, and I'm loving it. Well, Riot made the announcement this year. They're no longer a gaming studio. They're an entertainment, full entertainment company. They literally spun up animation and live action inside yeah. the studio. They hired like 2,000 people. That's why you got a sugar daddy and you're your own sugar daddy at the same time. Uh, that, you're uh, rich and you got a sugar daddy. Doesn't that just mean you're single? Like, what is that? I don't know how that translates. <laughs> I'm, I'm rich with a sugar daddy. Your own sugar mama, but you like got, married a, you myself. got, a, you got <laughs> a sugar parent somewhere. You got a sugar parent somewhere. It's like you got wealthy, but your parents are wealthy. Mm. And they just added up together more wealth. Say word. Then you're just a dynasty at that point. Yeah. yeah. Like, what else are we gonna do, man? Or something. People really like our trailers. Our, our trailers for Overwatch. Let's just make an animation studio. I mean, Blizzard should have done that. But yeah. They didn't do it. We're gonna do it. I, yeah, I admit, like, I, like shipping product. Back when um, Fortress Two was <laughs> well, like, when they were first announcing all their characters. I watched every like me and folks at the office too. We'd be like, "Yo, they got they got another character. Come on over." And we like we just put that on. We blast it because they made really, really endearing, engaging content. Like they they really they yeah. really captured what their yeah. characters' personalities were in it, and they were just fun to watch. I played Team Fortress Two because of those videos. Yeah, Not yeah. Was really like type of game I play. Same I love Overwatch. that game though. Team Fortress Two is an amazing game. Though. I bought the collector's edition of Overwatch with the terrible Soldier Seventy Six statue. Yeah, me too. I don't know what wants Soldier Seventy Six of all the characters, but whatever. Because of the because I of the game. That because of those videos. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I like these characters. I want to invest mm-hmm. in this. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, hey, yeah, more of this stuff. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that's, that's pretty smart about it is like, I watched all those videos. I did not play Team Fortress 2, but I would watch animate, an animated thing, you know, that they put out there. Like, yeah. that, that's bringing me back into it because like, I love this part, but like, you know, it wasn't my type of game, so I didn't play it, but I will watch all this other, you know, consume this other media you put out for it. So bring me back into your ecosystem. But you know, I have one cautionary tale, hmm. which was Square Enix tried to do that right mm. they tried to create their own animation studio and they made what was it called spirits within oh yeah they oh made this yeah yeah yeah. Mm. yeah that wasn't their fault though because they were they with a hawaiian studio movie. hawaiian studio who has a studio in hawaii let's be honest that was their yeah. decision square. <laughs> that's who square that's who square does yeah actually <laughs> yeah yeah so. and so they made it it's and the movie was just bad but the art was good the movie yeah was i mean yeah, it was a beautiful game beautiful you know you said graphics and everything like that graphically was beautiful but it was just like the huh? boring plot huh? huh? ever. i remember getting a recruiting call for that location and i'm going Mm-mm. i did no. too <laughs> i was like in hawaii huh the square for a second nah i'm good <laughs> You're like, I'm better than that. Yeah. And want to be in Hawaii. No, I just, not I just knew, bad. I knew it was only a matter of time before they turned off the lights. Yeah. Did they, did it, isn't it still open? Don't they still open on that location? Well, I think it's long gone. Okay. But, but the, okay. but the thing is that, um, you know, I, I know we all sort of, I mean, I'm not saying anything against the Netflix, against, um, uh, uh what Riot's doing like that, but I know there's obviously there's tendency of like, oh my gosh, like Blizzard's made this awesome content to like introduce characters. I wish they'd make a long form movie. And we also realize as content folks that like, hey, there's actually a really big difference between making a two minute movie and making a 90 minute movie. Yes. So maybe they're just yeah. like, let's just lean on on the stuff that we're good at. Maybe we're good at two mm-hmm. movies and we don't have the skill set yet for, for something longer than that. And if that's the case, I'd actually rather they just 
the conversation in Netflix was the conversation in Netflix was should we ask Riot to export this and make this from Japanese studios or an American made studio and Riot was like no we want to do it ourselves and they were like can Riot do this they make video games I said have you seen any of their their, their character animations so I made a whole list and circulate like hey look at all of these this is what Mm -hmm. Riot can do yeah storytelling they may need me some help but I said, outside of that, long form storytelling, they may need help. But outside of that, they got animation down. Yeah. It's Pixar level. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It's, it's, really it's real good. I mean, Blizzard was that good too at one point. Then you know, Blizzard. I think Blizzard, Blizzard animation, Blizzard animation is still there. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it takes them like five years to make it. <laughs> do what Riot does. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it dope when it comes out, though, but. You know, it, and and, it, and and it'll come out like three years before the actual game does. But you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? They spend all the time making the animatic, Travis, to sell the game to the people before it gets here. They're like, oh, now I guess we can make it. People are excited about it. Let's start. <laughs> all right, so we got one last story for everybody before we go into our long topic. Sinead, tell us what you got. Oh, yes, I have a story real quick. Uh, So I think this is really interesting. I'm not, are you guys into 3D printing? I have wanted to get into 3D printing at some point, but I just- It seems messy. It's, it's, there's a lot to it. I think, I wish, I wish Leon was on the show today because I know he does a ton of 3D printing stuff, but here's the story. Um, So the world's largest 3D printed neighborhood is set to break ground in Texas next year. A 3D printed- Wait, wait, what? Why neighborhood? Hold on, hold on. Did you just say a 3D printed neighborhood? 3D printed neighborhood. This is this is out in Austin, Texas, and what they're going to be doing, like this company, I can't remember what it's called. It's called Icon. Sorry, it's a Texas-based company, construction company. Oh yeah. And they're going to be print 3D printing 100 single-story homes. Yes, for the homeless, right? No, not necessarily for the homeless. Okay, okay. I think it was Icon. They did they did a project here in LA for a homeless population. I heard about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They print houses. They print out fabricated yeah. house, prefab yeah. house. This instance is like it's not necessarily like the stories I've read haven't necessarily said who they who the audience is or who who audience uh-huh. right, who they're looking for, like what kind of community it's meant to be. But a hundred homes, single single story, three thousand square feet. Um, they actually said that like they're gonna be using uh, the, the, these 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 uh, these gigantic machines, forty-six foot wide robotic Vulcan printers. They pipe out with a, a concrete mixture called Lavacrete, and I think this is really interesting, and exciting, right? Because we're we're starting to doesn't it feel like this future is sort of yes. like here? They said that they think they can build these within like weeks, as opposed to if you've ever had to be part of building a home. <laughs> that is a month-long month endeavor. Months and months. Yes. Delays, yes. Delays, like, delays. They say their technology is faster. It's cheaper because it requires less manual labor. And that yeah, they're going to be able to to do these things pretty quickly and stuff mm. as well. That's scary. I like. I don't know if I'd feel safe being in a house that got printed. <laughs> it just I wonder if it's fire or fire retardant. It sounds wrong, you know, and I know I'm in technology, but at some point you got to go cut it, cut the crap, man. You're going to print my crib? Really? I'm curious. That may be the new MTV show. It seems like some IKEA-ish going on, right? Print my crib. MTV pitched that actually. That sounds like a great TV show. You know, I need I need to be in my living room, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. We print it out. I got this this one. (laughs) It's to your personality. We got a bubble machine. They've printed four four to five hundred square feet homes in 
24 hours. Like it's, it was spread over hundred square foot. Home. Can you imagine? Five hundred. Can you imagine just being like, you know what? Home. I want to add a room onto my house, and it can be there tomorrow. That's the thing. That's, That's crazy. crazy, really, right? Like, as I mean, you have an impulse so, buy of Travis, buying a new room. You think about this, Travis. In ten <laughs> years, when we finally get the hollow deck. You can actually print one out, and you're like, you know, as you get richer, you like turn that whole hollow deck down. I need a bigger now. And for a real, football field you know, hollow deck. This is how the Death Star gets started, <laughs> <laughs> right here. You can 3D print the uh, Death Star. Was the Death Star 3D printed? That outside, yeah, it kind of looks like it was probably some. There was some. They wouldn't have one little tunnel where you can shoot two missiles down and blow up the whole entire thing. Are we allowed? They can 3D print it. Yeah, watch out for the exhaust like port on your house. Star Wars references. Can we do that? Because that's what we're doing right now with the holodeck of the Death Star. <laughs> Star Wars I mean, and Star Trek. Predictive sci-fi, right? Like whenever, like I think it's really yeah. interesting. whenever we get to this oh, technology space where we start thinking like, wait, that's real? That feels like sci-fi. Our brains immediately go to the predictive sci-fi and media and say, yeah. wait, is this Star Trek, which is like a you know, an optimistic ideal future, or is this Star Wars? I mean, <laughs> there is like, a company well, out here printing Nazi. food. There is a company out here printing food right now. I've, I've heard about that, and yeah, you know, they, I still like they print enjoying everything food, from so. vegetables. Yeah, I, I, if I had printed meat, I want my, my, I want the animal to die. I mean, I, was, <laughs> I don't want to print the animal. I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I think a that. lot of people <laughs> would eat a printed McRib. I mean, it is printed. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, McRib is probably already printed. It's probably it? stamped out of like an actual <laughs> chunk of like. Hey, hey it's back next month, meat. you guys. I haven't had a McRib in 20 years. It's back right now. 40th anniversary. Is back? Is it back in? It's back. You can get one right I now. Th- I thought it was next month. It came back in nope, Christmas. Like, here for you. They're like, we got you for Thanksgiving. I thought it was sure coming for Christmas. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I'm scared. I'm scared. I haven't had a McRib since I've been like 16. I don't know Dude. what they taste like since I've been um, literally 16. One last, one last comment. I had one about five years ago. Uh-huh. It ain't it. Like, it ain't, it ain't like barbecue and struggle. When, when you were younger, your body could process a lot more. Just saying, it ain't it. It, it, ain't, slamming, it ain't slamming like you used to. No, no. Don't, Hold on to the nostalgia. Hold yeah. on to your... Okay, your, your, I'm not going to do it then. Don't do yeah, it to your body. I, I just had McDonald's for the first time in like two weeks ago because everything was closed. It's like, what is open, guys? How that work for o'clock. you? It was McDonald's. And we were like, we're going to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. It was a compromise, wasn't it? Oh, was man, it was compromising. I was yep. like, I'm going to do this. I'm trying to save you, Chuck. All right, folks. So we're gonna go on to our we're gonna go to our long topic here because we are since we're already talking about what's gonna happen in the future. <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit about this? Yeah, so <laughs> indigestion. Um, our topic for today is the gaming bandwagon. What's getting ready to happen with gaming? So, you know, I want to I want to start this this conversation by kind of stepping back a little bit here, and we'll talk about like you know once upon a time, we know there was all these console wars. I mean, there's yes. still some console wars to an extent here, but it used to be like really like out of control back in the day, right? Between like yeah. Sega That's and, yeah. and, and Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah, there was a fight there. And then like when Xbox came in, it was just like, you know, all sorts of PlayStation. Of mm-hmm. PlayStation. So I just want to talk a little bit about though, like how we got from there to here, like basically what innovations and things helped to jump like the con like jump technology in gaming forward like from like in the past right like uh-huh. you know, like what things were really like what, what was really helping to like innovate and what was pushing pushing technology forward and then after that i want to talk a little bit about like what we're seeing um now and what we might see in the future so go ahead chuck it goes back to my article sega 
Sega always coming with it. Sega, you could stack a Sega system. You have like 15 peripherals on it. And it was about as powerful as an Xbox at that one time. <laughs> for that one game. You have a you have a 3D 32X. You got you got the the, the downgrader for games for converter. Yeah. You got everything. <laughs> Had the modem sticks on the back of it. What was it called? How about that your game genie though, dog? Game genie. You put <laughs> you stack all that stuff together. And uh, nah, but what changed is actually the medium in which we printed the game mm. on. Yeah. It was like cartridge and Nintendo yeah. stuck with it for N64 and it killed itself. Mm. And and PlayStation went straight to a disc and everybody was like, oh, look at this. Yeah. It's purple it like on the, the bottom. Mm-hmm. It felt like the future. Yeah, it felt like the future. And now cloud gaming. Mm-hmm. Sega and Microsoft are going to figure it out and throw it out there. Microsoft it's- got all those studios they bought. It's like, hey, we're not going to print your game. We're going to put it on a cloud, make it work on the cloud. Yeah. I have actually something to add on to what Chuck mentioned, uh-huh. like the, cause he's right. Like the, the need for storage absolutely was like sort of a turning point within game development. Mm-hmm. It moved us from, from like the cartridge space into like optical media and stuff. Mm-hmm. And now we're, now we're back to hard drives and clogging. But, um, but part of the thing that got us even from those cartridges to that, that optical media was the pursuit of realism. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. back in the day, you know, it's one of the things that I do that winds up happening every once in a while is you'll remember some old game that you played and you're like, man, I'm going to look up this old game. I remember it looked fantastic. And you go back and you look at it and you're like, ooh, this is like trash. Final Fantasy. Quite Siphon filter. Siphon filter. <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Metal yeah. Arena Toshinden. Metal Gear. Devil May Cry, the original Devil May Cry. Like, it's, yeah. Like those games, like you go, like you have this perception of them being looking so realistic and then you go back at them, like go back and look at them now and we're in a post like, the last of us post uh uh go tsushima world and you're like whoa i you really had to squint to like recognize all that stuff your imagination was working a lot harder than you realized and the pursuit of realism i think is really it's it's driven a lot of game development it's also driven a lot of the console development too like we used to like geek out about specs we still do i think geek out about specs for like new consoles as they get announced but those jumps are much much smaller now because we are like we're sort of getting like diminished returns generation after generation after generation. You can go back and look at a game that came out on maybe PS3 and you don't like, you don't have to squint as hard to see what, like to see the realism there. You go back and look at a game that came out on um, Dreamcast or uh, PlayStation one or, or anything like that, anything that was post Sprite. And you're like, Ooh, um, yeah. You really had to love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think it's the 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 medium in which games transfer from screen to controller device too. Because yeah. we used to, when I was with the PlayStation, we were like, "What can PlayStation Four do?" And we were like, "The first company to figure out how to use solid state memory properly is going to be the company that wins." Mm. I think you it's, know. Allow me to get. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Nintendo was right with the cartridge. We call them SD cards. That's what we yeah. call them. And then we throw a terabyte on a cartridge and it costs you 32 bucks. Mm. Yeah. Nintendo's not wrong with that. But, but but my optical media costs a fraction of that. Like the profit, the profit margins are bad for the companies, but it's good mm-hmm. for the consumer. Yeah. Go ahead, Travis. Um uh-huh. so what I said when I said, like, let me be meta for a second. I think it's it's cooperation. Um that is that's that's pushing the industry forward um and it's something that we sort of eased into and i and 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 i'll tell you what i mean is back when i started um 
making making games. For example, you had to get a DOS extender. You had to use RAD game tools. You had to use mouse sound drivers. You had to use all these different things, you know, to just get an environment where you could actually make a game. Okay, and then uh, Microsoft hmm, came along, and you know, uh, you know, specifically Alex St. John and his crew that uh, decided this is DirectX. Okay, and it was an agreement about how you would actually fulfill most of these, uh, most of your, uh, most of the things that you had to cobble together before, right? And so everybody started to agree, okay? Um, more people started using uh, the id software engine to actually make products. They started using Unreal. They started using all these different things. Um, and now you've got all these different companies that are agreeing what it actually takes to build these worlds. OK, like you could go, you could you could spend forever doing your environment uh, in a in a uh, application or you could use Speedtree. Right. For example. Mm -hmm. Right. Now you don't have to worry about that. Um, and so I just think that the more we do, the more we cooperate, the more we get along, the more we say, here are my assets or here are the way that I am doing things. Um, here, you use it too, so that we can build a better world, a better, uh, a better way of simulating things. The more people agree, I think it's going to push this industry forward and we'll be able to replicate that reality uh, at, a, at a fidelity that is unheard of because you're going to crowdsource your entire production. Mm, I completely agree with all of that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like all these off the shelf solutions and stuff like that too. I think it was like, like Travis said, um, and especially it's sort of a lot of it came together as the, as our community started to become more, as society started to become more connected, as our community started to become more connected, we started to realize we're all solving the same problems here. Why are we all solving them separately? <laughs> right. Right. Why am I decimating right. my own lots here? Okay, is there someone who can provide this? Why am I doing like, why, like I said, why am I doing my own, like, you know, background treat? Like, why doesn't someone provide this? And people said, Oh, Oh, that's a collective pain point. Well, I can. Yeah. yeah, I got some code for that. Hey, you guys want to buy this? Like, what? Like, what we putting the block on the screen was services. a pain point. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. Unreal is one of the, like you said, is one of the the absolute yeah. examples yeah. of that too. I remember, I remember actually being on the phone with Mark Rain at Epic and cussing him out about Unreal, <laughs> and I said, "It is ridiculous that I can pay fifty bucks for Unreal." And when it breaks, I can get customer support faster than I can get it by paying a half a million dollars for your engine. <laughs> Fix it. Yeah. Right. And message received. Right. I mean, uh -huh. you know, because I was telling guys at Epic, I was I was like, there's gold in those hills. Right. But you yep. got to support your people. You have to help them build these realities. Right. And as soon as you take on that responsibility, as soon as everybody starts agreeing, that's when it happens. Right. Because once upon a time, like, you know, people were flexing, like, I got the best 3D engine. I've got this. And don't nobody care. OK, nobody don't nobody care. What they care about now is you've got a 3D world. What are you doing in it? Yes. Do you have the best 3D right. engine? Does it have the best documentation so someone else can use that mess? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does it have the best engine tools that anybody can just hop in and learn it quickly? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is but there yeah. a million videos in YouTube that tell me everything I would ever want to know about it? Literally a million videos on YouTube of some of the best savant geniuses in, in video game development. 
Yeah. They can't yeah. make a game, but they tell yeah. you how to make everything with a game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for folks mm-hmm. here. Um, because, you know, one of the other stories that came out this week was talking about how Netflix, um, well, we've talked about Netflix and they're, they're kind of launching like a game service. It actually launched on November 3rd, apparently. Um, I have not checked it out. I don't know if you. Oh. Oh, I think I think we. Refroze. Refroze. You know, she froze. She got swallowed by the internet. <laughs> the internet. I'll, I'll, like, I'll, oh. as twin sister, I'll fall like, in here for a second. Oh, like, like is there? Salt? Yeah. Oh, you're back. You're back now. You're back now. Oh, did I disappear? Oh, yeah, you did. You did. You did. How weird. You were talking about Netflix running at their gaming company. Yes. And then Netflix stopped. Stopped it. And they're like, Nah, don't keep talking about that. It's a secret. All right. I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, so I was going to say, like, uh, as a, you know, Netflix is starting, like, you know, they, they're starting gaming and stuff like that, which is just, mm-hmm. I guess they just released, um, uh, you know, their platform uh, back earlier this week. And I just want to talk, you know, because earlier we were talking about, um, uh, you know, folks who are doing gaming and stuff like that, who are moving into, like, the animation space. Now you got a company that's like, you know, like Netflix, which is streaming movies and and tv shows and stuff like that now moving into the gaming space like what space is there for like companies there that are not typically like game creators i think it's there's a lot of space okay. yeah go, go for it travis no it's a tough it's a tough road mm. and i can tell you after working at lightstorm entertainment digital domain and at warner brothers right places that are traditionally just media and then wanting to bridge that gap into interactivity. It is a tough road to hoe mm. because, it, because the disciplines look alike enough for you to think that you're on the right path, but you're not, okay? Mm. And, uh, and interactivity, I'm not gonna even say gaming, I'm gonna say interactivity, okay? Um, it needs time to iterate because you will never get it right the first time. Yeah. Okay. And Hollywood hates that with a passion. <laughs> They're they like, get it. well, it's because they say it's on screen. What's the matter? It doesn't feel good. And they'll be like, what do you mean? Good. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. Look, it's pulling at my heartstrings. Don't care about that. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> it doesn't right? feel good. And yep. it's, and, and, and the worst, and, and the worst part, and the worst part is talking to people in entertainment, who feel like they know what you're talking about and have yeah. no clue, mm-hmm. right? And 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 so it is. It is you know because they will patronize you. Okay, they they'll be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, and they'll be like, okay, I tell you what, keep going down this road, and we'll see who lasts today. You know, and it's and it's <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. So I'm here to tell you, like, I know that there are people, obviously, from from gaming that are over there. Okay, and I can say this like with no snark at all. God help you. Good luck. Mm, Yeah, it's 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 uh, no, absolutely. Everything that Travis said, like it, there's so much overlap. And we do this a lot, even when we're trying to make like, you know, different points about stuff in the game industry. Oftentimes, like games sort of gets lumped into the same sort of creative bucket as movies or as TV. And their production schedules, completely different. Their tools, completely different. Like the way they run things, completely different. Like there's a lot of overlap, but the overlap is not in the critical things that are around shipping a thing. Um, And that's the most critical and most difficult part of it. Like the interactive element, um, 
Like it's really like making a game is not just like writing, writing a, a fun story and then like putting some controls to have a character walk through it. Just like making a movie is not just writing a fun story and then saying, Hey guys, can you just like, can you act this out? Like there's, there's a, there's differences and expertises that are absolutely built and well-established within those specific circles. And it's not as easy to just, to build up that expertise, I mean, that building of expertise takes years. And that's why we're seeing a lot of companies that are, that are wanting to move into the gaming space. Instead of they, some go the route of trying to build it. That is the, that is Hard, the, that help you one. And then if some you, go the route of just buying that expertise. And that's usually the more yeah. successful route. If you, if you yeah. examine, if you, if you examine like in traditional sort of media, what a director is, right. Um, there are, you know, they're often like, you know, these tyrants who are telling people what to do, you know, and, and by extension, the viewer, how to feel to, to, to some, to some degree all yeah. the time, right. Control freaks, directors. Okay. That is the worst possible attitude to have when you're making a product, uh, interactive product, right? Because basically a good interactive director gives you space and says, you do it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. While, the, while, while, a, while a linear director is telling you, no, I got this, right? Just sit back and watch, mm-hmm. right? And interactive directors are like, isn't that compelling? Well, maybe you should go see. Isn't that compelling? Well, maybe you should go see. Well, that is the anathema to every director who I've ever encountered. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people, when they look at the mediums, even if they're presented on the same platforms, like a television screen, they don't understand what the medium re- is really doing. Like audio is hearing. Uh, a TV film is seeing. Games is all feel. Yeah. And feel includes agency, mm-hmm. includes interact tactile interactions. Like you look at Google software, right? They're like, oh, we can make games. Like, no, you can't. You can barely <laughs> make functional productivity software. None of your software feels good. You're as bland <laughs> as white rice and just in, in lukewarm water. That's oh no. <laughs> Google Suite is pretty good. I love Google Suite. I mean, it's not sexy though. It's not sexy. 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 It's not sexy
And that's and honestly, like that, that, is, that yeah, that, that reason can that is designed by a committee, lot of things. and everybody cares about the bottom line. It's, it's not a wrong. It's not a wrong statement in a lot of ways, right? Because yeah. like, why introduce risk into the like? Why introduce that to the productivity software that like a large portion of the planet uses? Yeah. But yeah. it also it also like it, it basically kills any chances of you mm-hmm. having those sorts of like just like vi- like visual touches added anything between like a you know giant update outside of a massive redesign. But- no, one one As comment humans. I want to touch on from what uh-huh. Travis said just for a moment, because uh, I thought the the distinction that he put between directors, between the the sort of TV direct, like TV and movie director who is like a sort of tyrant or, or perceived tyrant, and how that doesn't work in in um in games, and one of the reasons it doesn't work is because like a movie, like for movie and TV, yes, you're you're being you're being very deliberate, and you want to control the way the 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 viewer feels, right? Like the viewer is is viewing your content through the camera. On games, like we have this concept of emergent gameplay, even right. So, which is like, yeah, we've got like a direct experience we want people to have, but we also want to leave them space to find out like where's the fun <laughs> and sometimes that fun gets found before you ship so you can s- sort of do things that lift it up and, pu- and and sort of plus it up and sometimes it gets found after a game ships yeah and you wind up saying oh holy crap this is how people are playing my game sometimes yeah. it's never found but also too <laughs> um, also game creators we as game creators we make games as a unit. We are the unit. You got to think there's a, there's, there's a second unit in film, third unit, fourth units. There's a bunch of other companies and everybody just wants to get paid and say they worked on the film, which helps them get paid on their next project where we make the game. We're like, that's my game. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can be just a texture artist. And all you do is touch up textures in your game and you could have done it for six months while every, everybody works for two years. You have the same pride and joy as they do. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. my game. So, and, but- and people are like, I worked on that film. I worked on that TV show. They don't claim they own it. Yeah. I, every game maker I know says it's their game. They own it. We, we, you know, we never get the crown because we know for us, the game director is not the most important person in the game. Mm. Now, so but, um, I got one last question for y'all, real quick, because I know we're, we're we're running low on mm-hmm. time. But like, where do we think? What like, what's the next big frontier here? What do we think? Like, what trends do we see? Like, really mattering in the next five years, things like that. What is the next big thing that we're seeing with with gaming? Virtual production going into games. Yeah. Unreal has kind of jumped that shark with uh, Matt Workman and said, "Hey, we're doing all this Mandalorian stuff." We Video games have gotten so real that we can actually do real things. <laughs> and somehow we're going to bridge them together. Somebody's yeah. going to figure out how to bridge them together because everybody wants to play the next Witcher as Henry Cobble. <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants to play Henry Cobble as the next Witcher. I mean, yeah. He, I mean, he, <laughs> we do want to do that. And, yeah. we, and I think I think it's going to get closer and closer to that. And we're going to see that translate across mediums. We're going to see that version of him in the TV show on animated properties. And it's going to just overlap. We see Sony doing it with Uncharted, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're launching an Uncharted movie. And right when the movie comes out, like six months later, a game is coming, apparently. Oh, it, yeah. It's like, it's like, like, oh, we're going to, if you missed the yeah. last four Uncharted oh. games, we're going to give you all these remastered versions of them. Mm. And you could think it's Tom, uh, uh, Tom Hardy, but it's not, oh, but you'll mm-hmm. like them just alike like him just the same yeah just like for like squint so that he looks yeah. younger in the game yeah it looks younger in the game yeah uh, i think one thing that and i know that this is something that's been predicted over and over again so i don't think mm-hmm. this is something that's gonna be in the short term or anything like that 
But, you know, uh, you know, back we started off by talking about the console wars back in the day and how they, they used to be like a burning fire. And they sort of tamp down, they come back and they sort of go down. Like, I'm wondering if we're going to start moving to like, uh, like if it's going to be less about like individual consoles and we're going to start seeing like over and I'm saying this is this is a long term view. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so not not next year or the year after it, but start seeing like a, a lot of console makers wind up moving more into being content producers. And we have like standard standard platforms and standard things that we utilize to just to experience these games. So it's less about like standing in line for a PS5 for like 500 years <laughs> or standing on the standing on the dock sitting at the dock of the bay waiting for uh waiting for your next console to come in and it's more about you know the experiences that you can have on that and the, having that collective that single platform that 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 folks are developing for like it, it plays into what travis was saying right like we have we have a lot of examples of that just in the game development side with things like unreal or unity or Instalod and that kind of stuff as well i'd like to see that happen um or i suspect that that's start, gonna start we're, we're gonna start seeing that happen at the um mm-hmm. at the content delivery level as well yeah as as people start switching to you know uh fiber <laughs> uh you know the the, the one gig, um, the, the one gigs up and down um start happening and we really begin to sort of move massive amounts of information back and forth i think the collaboration is going to be key um and you see it, right? Like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Microsoft had announced that they were working with Sony, uh, you know, cloud uh, at some point. Mm-hmm. And now, oh, look, here's Sega, you know. So it's not a surprise that Microsoft is, you know, but once again, the 800 pound gorilla, right? Um, it's, it's, it's about agreeing because as soon as you, as soon as you agree on, you know, the basic things, you know, that, that rising tide, you know, lists, lists everything right and so once we start having these these sort of software microaggressions uh you know uh, back and forth to one another we start collaborating then our ability to simulate realism our ability to 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 do things that weren't possible before because we either didn't have the connectivity the agreement or 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 just the processing power to do are not going to be issues anymore and you're going to see gaming as a as a whole like really take a leap because we'll all be more or less dancing to the same tune. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, I think as we kind of continue to move forward, it's going to be very critical, as we've talked about before, right? That, you know, as we advance in technology, as we as we have new like technological innovations, it's going to be even more critical, I think, that we have an eye on like, you know, ethical use, right? And also considering like, as folks were talking about, where it's like, do we find the fun? Do we find, like, we need, we need to actually be able to predict how are people going to use our particular tools? How are people going to use this technology? How are people going to use this particular universe and whatever else that we're creating? I think that's going to be really critical for really making sure that everyone has a great experience as we continue to move forward in gaming. Can I, I want to add one more thing because I think it's important for our listeners to, to, uh, to understand this. Now, as I talk about this cooperation, as I talk about these titans of the industry sort of, uh, you know, building up and raising the bar, what does that do? That gives you, the listeners, the people who are making games, the people who are thinking about making games or making games in the future, think about the things that you're going to be able to create because you start with a with with power that we only dreamed of when we started in this business right and so it's going to democratize games into such a to to such a level where it might be as easy to make a game as writing a great american novel and i am all for it all for it 
What All is right, the cool awesome. of NaNoWriMo for games? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Awesome. Fabulous discussion, folks. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close up the show. I want to give a shout out to Digital Click for all the creative they provide for each and every one of our shows. If you want to learn more about Tech Nubians, hit up our website at technubians.com. That's T-E-C-H-N-0-0-B-I-A-N-S.com. Please follow us here on Twitch. And if you like our vibe. And we, we know, know you do. do. <laughs> Oh, God, guys, we got to get this. Yeah, at some point, you know what I'm yeah, saying? It's like the bad boys. It's like bad boys. Bad boys, What you going to do? Y'all so silly. Well, if you want to learn more about game development and everything geek, please consider subscribing to our channel. Please, please. Uh, also, also, follow us on socials. You can search Geekish Network and on all major platforms. Tonight um, at 8 p.m., uh, Pacific, the Pots and Pan Geekery folks, Earl and Arnold, are going to be cooking dishes from the official Tomb Raider cookbook um, for their official Tomb Raider charity stream. So check it out on Earl's Twitch channel. That's tonight at 8 p.m. PDT. Go to um, twitch.tv slash Earl YB Good. I hope, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Early be good. Early be good. Got it. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and in, anyways, if you're ever wondering what else geek we're talking about, you can check, us, check out our schedule of all the shows on TGN here on our Twitch page. So anyways, folks, that's it for now. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you all next week.